Welcome to the Business of Dairy podcast. I'm your host, Sheena Carter, Development Officer with the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries Dairy Team. Each month, I speak with industry people generous enough to share their stories, knowledge and skills with us to help you in the increasingly complex area of farm business management. This month's podcast was recorded a couple of months ago with Jake Musson, who is Dairy Australia's data analyst, and it is prudent that I let you know he has since moved on from this role. Jake was heavily involved in the Dairy Farm Monitor project at a national level, and he had a great knack for looking into the data and identifying trends and drivers of profitability. In this episode, I spoke with Jake about overcapitalisation in the dairy industry, what it actually looks like on a farm, the impact it can have, and the risk that it can create if it and other aspects of a business are not managed well. This month, we're talking about overcapitalisation and how it can impact the bottom line in your business. It's interesting, I think, that we've seen over time with more complex businesses, there's a tendency to acquire more plant and equipment And then we've also got those businesses, you know, those farmers that just like having shiny new toys. But for some farms, this can have an impact on the business in terms of risk management and also its financial performance by adding to cost of production. Jake Musson, data analyst at Dairy Australia, has taken an in-depth look at this through the New South Wales Dairy Farm Monitor data, uh, which we'll have a a bit of a look at today. So welcome, Jake, uh, and thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Sheena. Pleasure to be on the podcast. Love what you do. Always um, a big advocate for podcasts around the country. So, yeah, fantastic to be here. Thank you. Yes, I, I think podcasts are a great way to get into to people's ears without having to get into a room. Now, we're talking about overcapitalisation. Can you just describe to me what does overcapitalisation look like? What are we talking about? Yeah, so it's... Probably difficult to put a definition on it, but I guess it's it's use an example. A farm can have one tractor um, and do like a small farm, pasture-based farm, and can do most of the jobs fairly easily. And then they can go and buy, say, in a little bobcat to clean out the calves. They can buy an excavator to do some track work. They can go and say, all right, well, I'm going to build a feed pad and buy another tractor and a mixer wagon. I'm going to leave the tractor on there because there's too much work swapping it over. So I'm going to actually buy another tractor, you know, to do my hay. And it all compounds very quickly. Um, And suddenly you look out in the shed and there's five tractors sitting there, bobcats, excavators around the back. And you're thinking that's a lot of equipment and a lot of costs that you're racking up. And it's not a cost that we often see up front, but it's sort of a behind the scene cost known as depreciation that really is a big killer for the business. Yeah, okay, so there's quite a bit in what you've just said and I think some of what you've explained is is system change. We're looking at system change within dairy businesses where we've gone from a quite a simple system of pasture-based dairying, which has its own complexity, but a relatively simple, and then moving along the continuum of slightly more complexity with intensification within a system and it's not necessarily a, a, a reason why there is more plant and machinery brought into a business but you know we have described a system change where we will see a bit more plant and machinery coming into the business. Why do you think this has occurred this sort of system change shift in the industry across Australia? Overcapitalisation doesn't necessarily mean you've got a system change but often when we do change systems that's when it occurs because you can justify the decision 
if you're changing your system to buy all those extra items. Whereas if you're in the same system, then it's a bit more of a, oh, do I really want to get that next tractor? Is it adding that much to my business? So that's where this system change often comes with that overcapitalization risk as well. And look, that system change, we've certainly seen it go on for a number of years. Probably seen it a bit more over the last sort of five or six years. Certainly drought has been pushing that. Milk price as well, you know, we're particularly up north, we're looking at flatter milk price, producing milk all around. So that brings with it its own challenges. You need to feed those cows out of season. So it probably pushes more in the favour of putting some infrastructure in there to be able to feed those cows on feed pads or get that flatter production to get that milk price for the fresh milk state. And certainly droughts push that as well. So there's a few factors in there that really have pushed that system creep over the last few years. Yeah, and another thing that comes to my mind is particularly we see this in areas of New South Wales and probably other state dairying regions within Australia. But we have kind of ended up in a situation where we don't necessarily have a critical mass of farmers for service provision. So I'm talking, you know, contractors for hay and silage making. If those contractors are there, they're often not enough of them and the timeliness of getting onto farm to make hay and silage sometimes isn't there so people have tended to say well you know I I need to buy my own equipment to do this. Yeah absolutely and you know I guess that depends do you have the staff to do it? Yeah I'm from a farm as you know down southwest Victoria and I don't think anyone down here would say they've ever had their silage done on time from a contractor. It's simply how it is you know you never get that quality silage down this way. It is a struggle but the reason why most people don't go and buy that equipment is because they don't have the staff, you know, that can drive that machinery or, you know, their business might be a little bit too big to allow that as well. So you do get more breakdowns and people crashing in the fence posts and the rest of it. Uh, if people, you know, aren't skilled and it's not the owner that's driving a tractor around. So, but like you just said, in New South Wales, um, particularly and, you know, Queensland, Um, some parts of Western Australia as well, you sometimes just don't have a choice and you do have to buy that equipment in. So you're sort of pushed into that position, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So I guess moving on from here, we've, we've landed in a situation where we do have this equipment and you mentioned earlier a term called depreciation, which uh, we're looking at understanding our business performance and trying to work out our, our cost of production, which true cost of production obviously has cash costs, but also non-cash costs. And depreciation is one of those that we look at in our cost of production. Can you explain what is depreciation and why is it important to consider? So depreciation is how much that value of the asset goes down each year. So for example, you've got a bike, quad bike, and generally they're not going to last that long. You know, you buy a new brand new quad bike and five years later, it might be pretty much a total mess depending how well you maintain that bike. Now tractors and the rest of them will have a longer life cycle, but if you sell them at the end of that 10 years, they're not going to be worth a lot. So you know, you've outlaid, say, 100000 for a tractor and you sell it for 10000 That's $90,000 that you've effectively lost through depreciation over those 10 years. So often um, businesses don't really look at it, but it is a real cost for particularly farms when you do have that capital in place and you do have certainly machines that do appreciate, depreciate um, quite substantially over time. 
And then the challenge at the end of that 10 years is you've got to start again and buy something to replace that. Exactly. And that's where you get into that vicious cycle if you've got too much machinery on farm. Yeah. So in terms of an impact on a business, it's not, you know, you don't necessarily see in your financials dollars going out for depreciation, but it is something that's sitting there and it can't be ignored because in the, in the long term, it's something that you actually end up paying in the business. Yeah, and it's often surprising how big a cost depreciation is as well. I mean, for New South Wales, you could be looking at, you know, 40, even 60 cents uh, per kilogram milk solids that you're spending or that you're losing through depreciation each year. And yes, that might be okay when you're a profitable business and you're looking at great seasonal conditions, fantastic milk price. But if you have a series of drought years, poor milk price, that's when... You know, that pinch really hits you and you do need that extra wiggle room of, you know, 20, 40 cents to get by. So that's where it does catch up with people a lot. Suddenly they're replacing equipment in those five years of drought and that's where the cost really hits them. Yeah, so I guess if we're looking at costs in the business, we've obviously got variable costs, which are those costs which are attributed to um, perhaps scale or size of the business. They go up and down with that and our overhead costs, uh, which are more sort of fixed costs, they tend not to vary with the amount of production in a business. That's where our, our depreciation sits alongside with repairs and maintenance. So it's very hard to reduce those overhead costs in those tight years. You've got uh, very little flexibility. You still have to pay them regardless. Absolutely. And the really interesting thing about overhead costs as well as a whole, and obviously we've got you know labour both imputed and employed, and a couple of repairs and maintenance, which is another one that can really catch up with you when you've got too many tractors and overcapitalise on the farms and depreciation, as well as a few other overhead costs that fit into the category. But what we've found when looking at the historical Victorian data, and you know in a few years hopefully we'll be able to see. New South Wales data do this as well, um, but we just don't have enough years to look at it. But every time there's been a run of poor years, we've seen those overhead costs shoot up uh, on a per kilogram milk solids basis. So example, 2007-8, fantastic milk price, and then we're slammed by the global financial crisis. Year after that was pretty poor performance as well, and depreciation costs increased by around 25 cents a kilogram milk solids over that time. And that's, you know, those repairs and maintenance, people not reinvesting back into the business. Suddenly, instead of repairing a tractor, you're saying, oh, I can hold off another year. And suddenly your repairs go shooting up the next year because you've been hit by a double whammy. And again, after 2015, 16, the exact same thing happened. So we're seeing this cycle where, you know, people don't want to probably overcapitalise, um, repairs and maintenance shoot up after like two or three years of poor conditions because they're not reinvesting back into the equipment, they're not maintaining it. Um, and as we know, if you don't keep your car's maintenance up to scratch, it's just going to fall in a heap and suddenly you're left with this big ghoul at the <laughs> end of two or three years and you're replacing the car. And that's essentially something that's coming out in the data uh, when we look at it over time. Yes, it's a challenge and I think uh, we are tending to see these days that uh, you know, volatility and whether that's related to milk price or cost of inputs is 
intensified. It's more frequent. There's always been volatility, but it seems to come around more regularly. So it, it is a challenge for businesses to manage that and therefore manage their, their repairs and maintenance, as, you, as you're saying, in those tough times. I think if we look at from a New South Wales point of view, uh, I know and listeners can click on our show note links and we'll have a link to a YouTube presentation that you did, Jake, last year as part of our Farm Monitor presentations for New South Wales. But you looked at a at the New South Wales data with plant and machinery and uh, against depreciation as a cost and looking back in the New South Wales data, so we've done Dairy Farm Monitor in New South Wales for nine years. This will be our 10th year, but on average, we sort of see a cost of around 38 cents per kilo milk solids in New South Wales, which is a about a 2.9 cents per litre. And this is, that's average. So the southern part of the state, we tend to see it's slightly lower, around 35 cents per kilo milk solids or about 2.6 cents and northern New South Wales it's about 40 cents per kilo milk solids probably reflective of, of the systems but in that graph there's a reasonably strong well sorry there's a number of farms that have got quite high depreciation you know, above 60 cents per kilo milk solids which is a significant impost on that business in times of volatility and I guess it's a, an area where we need to start thinking about risk management in our business. If our business is set up like that, what are some of the ways that businesses can manage that risk? Yeah, certainly. So I like to think of it, you know, you, you try and manage your feed costs as much as possible, increase the homegrown feed. So you've got that buffer when you come into drought and you can utilise that, you bring down your costs. And depreciation, exactly the same thing, really. You just want to manage how much equipment you've got and, yeah, manage it well, maintain machinery, maintain equipment, which, you know, isn't captured, but certainly gives you that salvageable uh, value at the end of the day. Um, and that's going to give you an extra, well, for those farms that are doing around that 80 cents to a dollar um, depreciation costs. If you can half that, well, you know, that's 40 cents you can play with if a drought hits or if milk price drops by 40 cents then mm. you've already gained that back in that area so it's always one of those ones where you know as a farmer you should look at those costs and say can I do anything there I know it's fixed and it's often difficult and it's often not a quick fix either uh, it's often a couple of years of investment to get everything um, running as effectively and as efficient as possible, but after those couple of years of investments in the right place, then suddenly we can reduce those overhead costs and give us a bit more buffer in those um, feed costs, you know, when those droughts do hit or those poor conditions hit. And like you said, it's a volatile industry and we do have to plan for that volatility and, you know, you can cut costs in one year, but as soon as you cut costs in two or three consecutive years, well, we've seen what happens to, yeah, the folks down in Victoria when those two showed um, shoot up after a couple of years of cutting costs. So, yeah, just something to keep in mind, I guess. Yes, and look, I guess we haven't, um, well, I suppose there's a couple of things you need to really be considering in your business. Is this piece of equipment, is it, is it a nice to have or is it a, a need? Is it a want or a need? So making some of those, you know, having a good hard look in the mirror first. Do I really, do I really need that bobcat? Do I really need whatever it might be? And you know, how how much time is it going to spend sitting in the shed, not actually working for me? All those sorts of questions. Am I better off, you know, getting a contractor in to do some of that work instead of investing in that equipment? 
as well. Absolutely. mm. And I think on that, I always ask, you know, does it save me money and does it save me time? And if the answer is no to one of those, then you probably should be looking at those contractor options. For sure. And I guess another another cost that we haven't particularly spoken about is the interest cost of, you know, purchasing, unless you're fortunate enough to be in a position where you can pay for, for new plant and equipment out of cash flow, uh, they generally come with equipment finance and the interest cost that is also a cost to the business, which can't be ignored and it is often a, a challenge. We've sort of spoken about volatility and tough times um, and those interest and principal costs and equipment finance are a little hard to negotiate with your financiers and you know perhaps go to an interest only arrangement when times are tough as well aren't they yeah and and that's the real problem isn't it um negotiating when times are tough because often the red flag can go up for those financing firms and say well am i actually going to get paid out and you can have the hard word put on you that no we've got to still pay back that debt during you know these couple of poor years so that's that's when things can compound quite quickly and again it's that risk of just taking on a little bit too much um too quickly and having those particularly those yeah equipment costs and um equipment interest payments compound very quickly and yes it it, that does get people in trouble yes um and i guess if if we're looking at that short-term debt uh, you know, a lot of work has been done looking at um, perhaps some, some guidelines around setting up a, a resilient business. And some people don't like the word resilient, but, you know, a resilient business being one that is set up to be able to, uh, you know, weather or, or get through volatility. Um, it, you know, margins might still be reduced, but they come through and manage quite well out the other side of tough times like like drought or or whatever it might be. One of these measures that we look at is percentage of equity in a business, which obviously percentage of equity in a business is going to vary for many reasons, depending on the stage of the business cycle that you're at, whether you're a new business um, or you've expanded and taken on some new land, all those kind of things. But in general... We're talking, you know, a resilient business having about 65% equity because it does give you that wriggle room to go back to the bank and approach them to help through with cash flow and things like that. But another thing that we've sort of looked at is having perhaps 20% of debt as short-term debt rather than being overexposed with too much of that short-term debt, that equipment finance have you seen much of that in the data or what are your views on that position, Jake? I um, haven't really seen too much of it in the data. I certainly would agree with that, though. Certainly that short-term debt probably carries a lot more risk and often you don't have those relations with the equipment and financing the equipment companies that you might have with your bank manager. Certainly those relationships can help a lot of people if your bank manager does understand your business uh, they can get you through those tough times and pull those strings, but it certainly doesn't happen to that extent with equipment. And yeah, certainly debts, that's an interesting one with John's yeah Tower of Resilience, which, yeah, fantastic concept. And I think it really helps look at your business as a whole because, you know, some people look at debt as a necessary evil, I guess, um, to expand. And some people look at debt as an opportunity. 
And I, I guess that's where, you know, you do need debt um, to expand your business and to grow your business. And, you know, that's, that's fantastic. Farmers wanting to expand, make more money, grow their wealth. But, you know, back to that point about volatility, we do live in that volatile environment. So if we do see a couple of hard years, a lot of farms can get into trouble uh, when they run into those interest payments and principal repayments um, after a couple of cash strapped years. So if your business, I suppose, in the tower context is fairly resilient in every aspect, then you probably can take on a little bit more debt and you can compound your wealth quite quickly if you run a low equity. But at the same time, you are taking a lot more risk. So essentially, farms that successfully do this de-risk the rest of their business and take on, yeah, more debt and try to expand at a quicker rate. But you have to have some exceptional management skill set, particularly up north when you're dealing with that volatility of drought as well and the severity of drought, as you would yeah, know, Sheena, in your region. But yeah, to expand, you've got to take on that. So it's about looking at the risk profile, I guess, of your business. How many of those building blocks really stack up in the tower? And if you are too risky, then you probably don't want to push it too much. You probably want to taper in exactly how much debt you take on because when those difficult years do arrive, yeah, you certainly don't want your business topping over. Very good points, Jake. So, yeah, I think, you know, there's perhaps we could say there there's good debt uh, and then there's debt that's not so good perhaps sometimes necessary, but you don't want to expose yourself to too much of it in the business. Yeah, and that's where it's so individualised, where that debt level is. So you really do have to look at your own business. And if you are taking on more risk, if you've got less homegrown feed, if you're more exposed to the water market, then that's a big flag that, yes, you probably want to taper in that debt level a little bit, which is all well and good to say, but... Yeah, difficult in practice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very easy for us to sit here and talk about it, Jake. That's it. (laughs) Uh, uh, No, but I think, look, it's it's been good discussion and I think we are seeing more complex businesses in the industry as time goes by because of all sorts of different challenges that the industry faces and people are trying to position their businesses to manage things like drought, um, water shortages, all those sorts of things. So, yeah, look, I guess the... The summary is essentially that overcapitalization can be an issue for businesses and you really need to consider when you're buying plant and equipment, is it something that I need, really need to have? Are there alternative people to, to do that job for me, etc.? And And really manage those other aspects of your business to make sure that you're managing that risk as you say you know managing the amount of homegrown feed that you've got and that doesn't you know necessarily mean purely in a pasture-based system even in those TMR fully intensive systems they really need to be managing the amount of of fodder that they're growing as well to set up their business as well and reduce the impact of things like depreciation repairs and maintenance and interest payments on their business. Yeah that's it and you know if you're got a tractor with a rake on the back or a mower do you want to be footing the bill for that in a drought year uh when things break down or would you rather that flexibility to be able to you know go into a contractor so one's certainly locked in and one's one's a bit more flexible um but yeah as everyone would know on this podcast it's just one aspect of the business and i guess to run the best business we can we've got to really put every single section under the microscope here 
and say, can we do this even a little bit, 2% better? Because it certainly adds up if you get those 2% right. Yeah, which probably should lead into a bit of a, a plug, a segue for the farm business snapshot, Jake. There's many businesses that do look at their business performance and the industry through Dairy Australia has been developing quite a few tools to help people do this. Obviously, we've got Dairy Farm Monitor across the country and then we've got Dairy Base, but we've also got the Farm Business Snapshot as as a tool for industries. Do you want to just say a quick few words about the Farm Business Snapshot tool? Certainly. Um, So it's an app where you can input all your costs and just a couple of physical metrics. into the tool, a little bit like dairy base, just um, certainly not the complexity of dairy base. So you don't have to put every category of cow and feed and the rest of it, which as we know, you know, can take a bit of time. So it's a great first step and it all feeds into dairy base. So you don't have to worry about putting it in twice, but essentially it just gives you a comparison with the dairy farm monitor projects uh, when that comes out, your costs versus um, the regions and Gives you a little traffic light system on certainly costs if we look at it cents per litre or kilograms per milk solids. So you might get a red if your costs are a bit higher, a yellow if they're between the you know, 25, top 25% and average, and then a green if they're below that level. But certainly it's only it's it's not a red to say, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. It's a red to say, all right, why am I doing that? Uh, why am I cost higher in, say, herd or shed costs? And if I don't have an answer, then I probably should look at it a bit closer. So it's a really great first step towards dairy base. Pretty easy to use. Um, just put your costs in um, straight from your PL, straight from your accounting system um, into there. And yeah, it's a great conversation starter. Yep, fantastic. Thanks, Jake. And I think that's the, the power if we're going to have a, a discussion about the costs in our business. If you can actually know what they are and understand them, you've got a, a much more informed conversation to have and the ability to look at you know particular areas in the business that you might want to address and and try and improve or identify areas that you're doing really well in as well so look thank you Jake for your time today Uh, it's been a very enjoyable and a great discussion on what can be a bit of a, a complex area of the business and yeah thank you very much again and I hope to speak to you sometime soon Thanks, Shane. Pleasure to be here and hopefully you'll get me on here again one day. Thanks, Jake. Thank you for listening to this month's The Business of Dairy podcast, produced by the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries Dairy Business Advisory Unit. This series is also brought to you with funding and support from the Hunter Local Land Services. This month's show notes contain a full transcript and resources mentioned throughout this podcast, including links to Jake Musson's New South Wales System Performance presentation, John Mulvaney's Tower of Resilience video, a link to Dairy Australia's Farm Business Snapshot Calculator, and the New South Wales Dairy Farm Monitor reports.